I implore you, do not reactivate him. Don't be ridiculous, Data. Lore is far from the maniacal android you've made him out to be. Space. The final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast Gimme That Star Trek. Its ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Welcome to episode 47 of Gimme That Star Trek, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Siskoid, and today we're asking the question, can Data's evil brother, Lore, be reintegrated safely into society? You might remember uh, Chloe Allard from the Table Read episode. Hi, Chloe. Hello. Well, you've worked in homes for troubled youth. Yeah. Maybe we could say that. You have a background in that kind of social work. In youth care work, yeah. But more than that... When you watched TNG, you saw Lore as a troubled teen. Yeah. <laughs> so, troubled, <laughs> troubled boy. And this is basically the origin of this idea for this episode. Yeah, this idea has existed in my head way before I pitched it to you on Twitter. Way before On I Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> We're living together. We're on Twitter. Okay. But I threw it out there very subtly. And you immediately <laughs> bit. And it was like a 20-step process I was drawing out to get on here and talk about this. But okay. It was fairly easy. Right. Well, you've already gone through the whole rigmarole with the questions yeah. and the, the, but you wanted to amend some yeah. of your answers? Yeah. I just want to do it now. Well, I just wanted to amend. I usually, I initially said that my dad got me into Star Trek and now I'm realizing that my dad is really not much of a Trekkie at all. You're getting him back into Star Trek? Yeah. Is that it? Well, now that he has Netflix, which he calls, uh, Nextflix. Nextflix? He recently got it. He's like, oh, Netflix. They're flicks on the net. I understand. And now he says it right, but beforehand he didn't understand. But well, anyway. At the same time, didn't Netflix start out with, like, was a mail order thing? Yeah, it was. What was the net? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> he ordered them on the I net? I guess so. It wasn't like Redbox. But yeah, now he's been rewatching and I'm noticing that there's a lot of holes in his knowledge because I'll be telling him like, oh yeah, what about the time Data stabs Troy and she doesn't do anything about it? And he has no idea and what I'm brought, talking about. Yeah, that's the last season. Yeah. So maybe, maybe by that time... Maybe he didn't see that on TV. Or... Yeah, he was working by that time and so maybe. it's harder to... There's always the one episode that you the, miss, that you miss yeah. from every series. That happened to me until DVDs, until Nextflix. Nextflix. <laughs> yeah. All right, so... Lore. Yes. A bad boy. You're, it's it's not very trauma-informed of you to swing out of the gates calling him evil <laughs> well, right no, away. I mean, he's he, the way he's described on the show, and, I, and that's why I'm using the word, words like malevolent. Yeah. Because the show is yeah. kind of using that. Yeah. But we want to inspect that, to yeah. look at that and see if, is he malevolent? Is there something wrong with him that cannot be fixed? So that, that's part of the discussion. I think Trek decided. No. Yeah. We're writing him off. We deactivate yeah. him at the end and he's done. Yeah. He's even forgotten because on Picard, we see like Daystrom Institute has B4's body, yeah, they but do. they don't have Lore. No, and they would because he still exists. At the end of Descent, Presumably, yeah. which was his last episode, yeah. he was just deactivated. Yeah, they took the chip out and whatever. And we never hear anything from him again mm-hmm. in canon. Uh, yeah, excluding your fan fiction. Or, I mean, I'm sure the pocket books did, <laughs> yes, did yes. stuff. I just don't know about it. So we can discuss his crimes, but they may or may not be like permanent marks against him if we consider him a juvenile. Because when you say he's a troubled teen, in a way you're removing some culpability. Leaving more room for redemption. Okay, so why do you see the Soom-type androids as juveniles? Is Data also juvenile? I don't... I'm not sure. I feel like Data has experienced more growth. Because, like, physically, Lore is around 29, the first time that we meet him. And he has nothing in common with any... 29-year-olds that I have ever met. He strikes me as both a toddler and a tween in where his, like, emotional regulation is. And, Whereas uh, Data has no emotional... But he doesn't have the complete emotional range. But I feel like regulation is part of his code and protocol because he has, like, an ethical protocol that allows him to, you yeah. know, decipher bad or good even if he can't feel them. I Whereas Lore... No. And that's one of the differences, like, a lot of people will throw out, like, Lore's a psychopath, Lore's a sociopath, and 
he's definitely not a psychopath. The difference between the two is like, a psychopath, you have a total absence of conscience. When you're a sociopath, you have a conscience, but it's weak. But that can be built upon. That's a learnt skill. I don't think there's any child that comes into the world and has like a perfect conscience, understands everything that's right and wrong, and feels remorse instantly. Like that's a taught behavior to a degree. So I think that building on, even if it's a weak one, we can get to somewhere where, oh wait, I don't need to manipulate everyone. <laughs> I'm safe. Okay, yeah, we get, he is emotionally immature. Yeah. Because he says he's 29 physically, but he was deactivated for a lot of that time. Yeah, a very long time. So I don't know where that leaves us about thinking about his emotional age. Was he stunted? Was he four or five? When, yeah. You know? And is that why there's kind of that attitude about him? I don't know. But I do believe that, like, from a baseline... Every neurodivergent person I know is drawn to Zoom-type androids. I think that's a fact. I don't know anyone who's watched Star Trek and hasn't related a lot to Data or Lore. And in my case, I think I relate maybe more to Lore than Data because of his, like, destabilizing emotions. Because that's something that I've had to regulate in my real life, something that I have the ability to do because I have a real person brain. How are we, like, I think when we talked about it initially, we were going to treat it like he was, like, are we treating the positronic brain? Or are we act like, because we know it has limits. Because it's programmed. Uh, but we did another episode about uh, the androids and are they people? And, and on that show, at least, even though some commenters disagreed, we fell on the side of, you know, androids are people. Yeah. And they act like people. And even though they're programmed, so are, you just said it. So are yeah, we. Yeah, exactly. There are learned behaviors that Lore did not learn or could not learn, uh, whereas Data learned them. But the show is all about Data. I mean, really. There's a lot of characters, but the show is a lot of it is about... Data's personal growth. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of it is about that. Again, seeing that growth, we don't know what Data was like pre-Academy. It's true. He did, what is it, like four years of schooling? Where you're learning like all the Starfleet stuff and there's yeah. got to be a lot of customs and a lot of things that just ran into that brain and kind of affected. Whereas Lore was on this small colony with these people that he perceived as being very jealous of him. Yeah, I think he was projecting. Yeah. <laughs> because he's very jealous of Data, which causes a lot of the problems. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They, they're just like a favorite in the family. Now, you're an only child. I am. I have two step-siblings, but it's not oh, really the same. No, okay. They came into my life when I was, like, yeah. 14. I have uh, two and a half siblings. Yeah. I wasn't the favorite, but I, I was also the oldest. So the oldest gets some measure of attention, and it's usually, like, the middle child. But we, it's, it seems like in my family, we each had our turn mm -hmm. because I was the first child. My sister was the first female child, and then my brother was the favorite because it was the baby. And then the half-sibling has a different mother, so obviously... Not the same relationship at all. Yeah, she's essentially, you know, an only child. For that parent. For yeah. 10 months out of the year. Yeah. That was, you know, <laughs> that was it. So so I, I, I don't know how that affects a person, but for... Laura is actually a middle child, because B4 would have been the very the first. first that we know, anyways. And he's not a threat in Laura's eyes. No, he probably was deactivated already. Yeah, most likely. It or, seems well, like... they find his head in the desert, so isn't he just well, I out think, there? Well, he was taken by uh, Shinzon or okay. whatever that plot is. But the, <laughs> but I think maybe the idea is that, like, Soong deactivated Lore while he was working on Data. Yeah, Lore was very much aware that Data was going to exist. And I think he tries to tell Data that he remembers them together. I don't think that's true. Because I don't think Data got to know the colonists at all, right? He was just kind of placed out there with all their and, memories. Yeah, and they put their memories, yeah. yeah. Because the, the way that, I mean, that timeline is kind of hard to decipher. But the idea is that Lore was jealous of Data and felt like Data would was being built. So obviously, Dr. Sung is more interested in that new build. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, why do you need a new son? What's wrong with me? Yeah, I think and I pulled this piece of dialogue from the episode Brothers, where Lore is talking to Sung and he says, I would have proven myself worth it to you if you'd just given me a chance, but it was easier to turn your back and build your precious Data. And then Sung is like, you meant as much to me as Data, it wasn't that, you were unstable, the people were afraid of you, like you were a liability. And then Lore really just sees it as this black and white issue of why didn't Sung just fix him? Instead of building Data, it was within his power to just fix Lore, and he's kind of stuck on that. And he's like, you didn't have to replace me, that's a choice that you made. And he's not wrong. There's the difference between people and androids. When we have kids... We don't get rid of the other one. No, it's not a replacement. <laughs> no, it's an addition. Yes, 
Whereas scientists who would be building robots, it's about improvement. Yeah, they would make it like they would make like model one, model mm-hmm. two, model three. B four was model four, probably. You know, of a positronic brain, and maybe the first one was a humanoid body. But basically, Sung was making all the same bodies. Yeah, he all wanted them to look <laughs> like him. <laughs> yeah, but then he was like, he was puttering around on the brain, mm-hmm. how to make a an android that would be yeah. that would be a, a sentient being, the closest to us. Yeah. So things didn't work out too well with Lore. Well, I say that no matter what, even if Lore had worked, he would have tried to make a better yeah. one and a better one and yeah. a better one. So that's true. That's the big difference that Lore obviously perceives this as a slight. He, but that wouldn't happen to people. He ended up building Juliana, and she doesn't even know that she's an android. Yeah, but I guess she can't learn things. I mean, the way I've decided my mind, it's like, well, if Juliana is a human in her mind, then she's the ultimate model. I think that Juliana has like all the memories of real Juliana, the real Juliana, but she, she can't necessarily grow in the same way. I mean, like she's yeah, she's already a full formed person yeah. kind of thing. That's, I think it's like yeah. okay, she's fully programmed, whereas Lauren Data were built to better themselves or learn things yeah. and they had to have like that is a different thing to unlock for artificial intelligence that's true because one is uploading and one is giving it the tools to create themselves yeah but i think we briefly touched on um lore's perhaps biggest trauma which <laughs> is being deactivated he's been hearing the residents on omicron theta tell soong for presumably months that he they want him deactivated. He says this. He's like, they've been petitioning Sung. He, uh, he knows. He must have done things that we don't know. Well, Why would they just freak out like this? Well, he was scaring them. And I don't know what that looks like. But if we think about <laughs> even just data in the movies where he's in like that transparent suit. And then he's not anymore. And he's like punching through the universe. And that freaks people out because they don't understand it. And I can imagine that living with an android, even in like a scientific community, if he's doing all these things, it could be alarming, especially where he's so narcissistic and manipulative. Well, that's one of the things is that he sees himself. And I think that may have been the issue with the colonists is that he saw himself as superior to humans. Very much so. So for him, it's also unfair you know, everybody was against him, mm-hmm. but he was, he didn't have a problem. He was perfect. Mm-hmm. And being deactivated was an attack on that. It's like he thought he was so great. Yeah, he, he can't could, feel empathy for them. No, he can't understand no. what he's done wrong, that his father would reject him, that the colony would attack him. I mean, it is a narcissistic personality where everybody else is wrong, has yeah. to be wrong yeah. because I'm so... I'm absolute. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. You can't make it better than me. Yeah. Yeah. But knowing that he's headed towards deactivation and all this, he does an extremely dramatic thing, which is reaching out to the crystalline entity. And like, is that level of revenge understandable? We can extend him a kindness and say that it is understandable. Is it reasonable? No. No. (laughs) So one of the things we'd like to do with Lore in this fake treatment plan that we're creating is showing positive instances of using power or when it's right to feel wronged. And I think it is right to feel wronged when your parents are going to deactivate you. <laughs> but it doesn't mean you need to nuke an entire planet. I mean, that is his biggest crime. And he tries to do it to the Enterprise yes. later. So he doesn't learn from that mistake. But I think he tries to do it to the Enterprise because he gets there and he's like, it's me and Data against the world. He kind of sees Data as it's just us. There's no one else like us. And Data doesn't see things like that at all because Data has built relationships with other humans, which mm-hmm. Lore sees as a weakness, but I think in time could realize is a strength because you can't do everything yourself. It's just not going to happen. So he gets on the Enterprise and I think he's got this idea that it's going to be him and Data and he's going to, you know, get all this over with and they're going to do Android things for the rest of their lives and Data's not into <laughs> Android that. Android things. Data's not into that. And I think that was another kind of rejection moment for He certainly has what I would call abandonment issues. Definitely. He's abandoned by Sung. He's abandoned by his community. He's abandoned by... By Data. Who he thinks is the only person he has left in the universe. And he gets launched into space until some, like, traitors pick uh, him up. uh, uh, Packleds. Yeah. Packleds. They they needed him to to make him go. (laughs) Because he's a packled costume in in Brothers. He's not completely unempathetic no because when so in brothers when the second go around when sung is dying he's not mad at him he's, he's concerned ups- he's upset yeah he's genuinely upset yeah and then 
the malevolence yeah, takes yeah. over. Then we get dramatic. <laughs> yeah, but uh, is, is that like the equivalent? Obviously, an android is more powerful than we are. Yeah. Smarter than we are, and the Star Trek universe is a more dangerous place where crystalline entities can be Exist. contacted. <laughs> yeah. But is that the equivalent of... Is this just simply a and tantrum? Like Laura, <laughs> Laura contacting the crystal entity is basically just like, you up? <laughs> like, he doesn't have to do much. No, I think the crystal entity... Is, I don't even know what that relationship would I, look no, like. No, we don't know how he built that. But, but yeah. How do you know it's out there? Yeah. But is it just like he's breaking toys? Is, would that be like the human equivalent? It could. Yeah, the abandonment, the rejection. And it's just, I'm going to create, you know, chaos. Because if he doesn't believe that human beings are of value, his superiority, his narcissism, then they are just toys. Yeah. Very breakable ones. Kind of like Q would see the people. He's put in charge of the rogue Borg. Yeah. He's experimenting on them. He's modifying them. And then he gets Jordy, and he's like, good, we don't have to kill any more Borgs. Yeah. It's just one mean or another. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. And he's torturing Jordy or making data torture Jordy. To him, this we're all playthings. Because innately, his narcissism is, is, is a, one of the big problems. And maybe the root of all this... Because it, it fuels the misunderstanding of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you don't understand people, you don't understand your own feelings, you don't understand other people's feelings, mm -hmm. but you have them, that's got to be completely alien. Can you fix that? I think so. Because I know narcissists, and I don't know what the course of treatment is for that. Or In Because <laughs> they don't feel like people who would seek... Tre in trauma-informed care, right. the best type of treatment that I think would work for lore is called DBT. It's dialectical behavior therapy. It's evidence-based, and it's not just talk therapy. There's group, there's skill building, and there's, like, constant... Like, basically, we'd have to get lore, like, a sponsor. Someone that he can eventually, when he has the tools, reach out to and say, Hey, I think I'm going to make a really bad decision. Maybe we should talk this out before I hit up my good friends. The crystal entity. <laughs> so data. I don't know. Or, or, I think data might be, be too a... close to the situation. Okay. I think data, your family. I think data is a key point of Laura's rehabilitation. Because before humans, I think he will be most likely to build a relationship with data. And I think data is equipped to not just be manipulated. But in a situation where we put Laura in a course of treatment... It has to be very controlled. He couldn't have access to the entire enterprise, let's say, right off the bat. Right. He has to build up to that. And so for starters, I think it's him in a controlled environment. And I don't know if you can, like, power down a little bit. Like, let's just make you a little little less superhuman, <laughs> just for a little bit. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know either. I feel like it might be. We've they have all those it. buttons under the thumbs. Right. <laughs> Maybe there's, like, a little switch that yeah. lets you just tone it down a little. Yeah, I think that thumb thing, they sold it on eBay for uh, charity. Yes, I did see that. <laughs> I, hate, I hate it when they take it off. It's disgusting. <laughs> I mean, they've never done it, but it doesn't mean it can't happen. Or like a dampening field, or I'm sure there's some techno There's got to be something. People like you and me could not interact safely with lore. No, and I don't think Troy should be on this team of, you know, counselors either. Okay. I think she's too naive, and she would be too easily manipulated. Maybe from, like, an external point of view, she would be useful. Because she's a very smart woman. But I, I think she'd be so easily... She feels emotions, and she'd, like, be like, Oh, no, he's really feeling this. But Laura's just very smart. I think he could run circles around her, really. I think who we should bring in to be a part of this um, <laughs> okay. this treatment plan is Losana Troy. Oh, oh, okay. I think... She would have fun with the manipulative stuff. Because she kind of is manipulative herself. And I don't think she would let him, you know, do the same things that he might do to Deanna because she has such a good, kind heart. I feel like Luxana's harder in a way. Mm. Now I'm imagining an episode where Lore is in the mud bath and going ha and <laughs> He needs that. He needs that. Alexander needed that and Lore, I think, would benefit from that as well. Lore and Alexander Alexander is another candidate for Siskoid's Home for Troubled Boys. <laughs> I mean, they're similar. They both have these behavioral problems. They're both about the same age, probably. You know, Emotionally, yeah. yeah. And I, I think Worf should also be part of this team of people that we try to establish bonds with for lore. Because I think training in a like, 
you know, Klingon environment where it's part of the culture and it serves a purpose could also be very beneficial for lore. We don't just destroy things because we're mad. There's a whole culture and reasoning behind it. That's an interesting point. I think point. Worf is a very level-headed person, but he yeah. comes from this very violent I think he's very, he's very serious compared to the other people of his race that we meet. And I also think he wouldn't... He wouldn't mess around with Lore's games. I think what's interesting about that point is that, you know, Star Trek is very human normative. Yeah. Of course, the androids are built by a, a human. And they're expected to act like humans, mm -hmm. but really... And that's like Data's life goal. Yes. Which is strange. Like, dream bigger. But, you know, there are so many races in the yeah. universe, and some of them might have... So, say we were to teach Vulcan control to Lore. You mentioned the Klingons and how mm -hmm. that might be a way into his anger... And how to use it. His deviousness is very Romulan. And so there there may be other races out there that he could model himself on yeah, or learn something because from. Because maybe he just doesn't... Like, there's something about humans that he sees as inferior. And I don't think that will last forever. I think in time he could be very impressed with people like Riker, people like, you know, Picard. Because there are impressive people. Even Q. Oh, yeah. Who is also... If we could get Q on the phone... <laughs> He'd be part of the treatment plan. Uh, he was plan. also a troubled boy <laughs> at, at the house. Like when he's turned into a human being and he's misbehaving. Yeah, yeah. So he's a troubled boy as well. Yeah. So is Guinan on your team of counselors? Oh, I hadn't thought about Guinan. <laughs> like bring a fork to the situation? I mean, I think she could bring something very valuable to the table, which is that no-nonsense, harsh but caring. Which Tough is also, love. Yeah, but, which yeah. is also some of what I see in Loxana and why I would want to bring her on, because Lore, um, I don't know what his relationship with Juliana was like, but... If any. But he needs those figures. At least a positive male figure, a positive female figure, someone to show him how, how you handle things. Even if you reintegrate him into society, if you make him see the error of his ways, let's say, or uh, learn better behavior, do you think he needs to atone for the things he's done? Because we've talked about, you know, he's caused a massacre, he's tried other massacres, he's killed his own father, I mean, he stole the emotion chip, That's just so Data couldn't get it, really. I mean, I know he tried to use it and didn't work on him, but and he led the rogue Borg and Data down a dark path and torture and all of this stuff. What's your take on, like, taking responsibility for that kind of stuff? I think that comes naturally. I don't think people need to repent. I don't... Who does he owe forgiveness to, really? Who are still alive and around? Anyone who was had family on Omicron Theta. I guess, but um, they're probably not aware that he exists, so what's the difference to them? You know, I think with relationship building and with trust building between lore and data, that forgiveness will exist on its own. And I think that's really all that lore wants. Is it more about him forgiving himself once he I think admits so. to it? I think so. Because I think you can progress in life without being forgiven by everyone. Sometimes you just kind of have to accept that someone will maybe never be okay with you. But you can know yourself that you've grown and that you've improved. And so long as you're all right with that, and it's actually the truth, then I think you can move on with life. Having been deactivated for so I don't know when we wake him up at the house, but he's been deactivated Yeah. for most of his life. So time served. We, we could say that if he makes it through the program. But I find it very disappointing that they just don't, they don't try. That we know. They love Data so much, and they find a copy of him. They don't know that it's Lore yet, you know? They don't know his personality from the get-go. And sure, at first he seems kind of charming and odd, and he's more human-like, and he uses contractions, and wow, that's so strange. But after knowing him for a little bit, I feel like they'd be like, oh, Maybe we don't launch him into space every time. Maybe there's another solution in this advanced society that we live in. Yeah, they, they do just. Yeah, they don't even. Away. Yeah, it's a shame because if they can understand data and they see, you know, we've we've done if the they, table read for Measure of a Man. They've they, concluded. Yes, if they think data is a person, then the, why not try? Then lore is a person. And, and if Laura is a person, I'm sure that's against some uh, humane. Like even rules Hugh, they, have. they decided to ship Hugh back and. Give him a go. But not Lore. I think that's a shame. I, I'm going to throw that out there. The You know, Lore originally was meant to be a female character. Yeah. And to be a mate for Data. Yeah. To be a love interest for Data. And Brent was like, no, we want to do the evil twin. Well, let's do the evil twin. I can play them both. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and my dad. And my girl. <laughs> and I'll do everybody. Yeah, and my dad and my ancestors. He plays a couple. Uh, he plays yeah. a descendant in yes. Picard. He plays an ancestor in Enterprise. 
Red and Spiner is, is the entire Sung family. Yes. I imagine that would have been the same plot. Anyways, Lore would have turned out to be malevolent. Yeah. But Data would have been drawn to that character in the same way. Like, instead of Brotherhood, it would have been like, oh, my, my father made you to be like Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. But would have had to reject that person. Do you think that changes? Obviously, that lore could not have come to, you know, Siskoid's House of Troubled Boys. No. But Chloe's House of Troubled Girls. Maybe. And But she would have been like, does that change the dynamic at all? I- exact same behavior? Yeah, exactly. Same plot. No, I don't think it changes much if Data doesn't perceive... Because does Data even really perceive Laura as his brother? Yeah, I think there is a thing there. There, There's like... And I think that's easier than... Like, it's either you love someone or you don't. I don't think he would perceive someone as as his partner just because that person exists. So that kind of changes the dynamic. Yeah, so it's better for brothers. I think so. Because you can't break that bond. No. And they talk about that at the end of, of Brothers. The two kids that have been fighting in the background the whole time. Mm, that's right. There's a, like that subplot. Yeah. That like, informs. Oh, they're brothers, them. Data. Brothers, forgive. <laughs> so they want Data to forgive Lore. But don't give anyone any opportunities to make amends. Yeah. But at the end of that episode, Lore is on the run. Within the episode, there's no moral dilemma for the Enterprise. But, you know, in the previous, in Data Lore, the f- first episode, they jettison out the... The airlock, basically. They just fight right Or they away. beam him out. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've got to share some of the responsibility mm-hmm. for him escaping in, in one way, but also for... And Lore running away, though, is he hasn't been extended any kindnesses. He's been launched into space and deactivated, <laughs> so he doesn't think, if I'm going to stay here, this is going to go great. Everywhere he's gone, humans or p- humanoids, people, have been... Chasing him out. So his reaction is sort of justified in a way. And I think, of course, it's all... There's the narcissism there that remains the problem, but that's a very, very isolating position to be in. If you think you're better than everyone else, that voids the idea of community. Mm-hmm. I think if we're talking about reintegrating lore, then he has to feel that he's part of something, that he can be part of something. But the narcissist or the super narcissist that he was, it's not possible. Well, there are narcissists in the world who aren't, um, you know, Patrick Bateman. Uh, well, there's, there's some narcissists that are very social. Yeah. But because um, again, that's learned. You learn that, oh, I like my friends. I would like to be able to spend time with them without being despicable. It all comes back to relationship building and trust building. And like manipulation is a prime example of just needing control. Lore has no control in his life. He didn't pick when he was made. He didn't pick when he was deactivated. He didn't choose who his friends were because he didn't have any. Manipulation, it, it gives you a feeling of control when you become good at it and you can predict outcomes. So when you're working in that field, are the kids quite manipulative? Yes. So how do you how do workers deal with that? You pick, or do you like immediately spot it? I do, and that's why I wasn't very good at the job. What do you mean? <laughs> I was very confrontational. Okay, okay. Because that's what works for me is being called out. That eventually works for everyone, but you have to have the self esteem to take it. And I did not intend to be tearing people down. But sometimes they would kind of come off that way because I would immediately confront with, you're doing this because you don't want to do this. And we're not doing that. And the kids did not like that very much because they're not used to that from their parents. You were the guy in the equation. Yeah. Yeah. That works on you. Yeah. So it's like you were treating because them Because I'm not aware of a lot of the things that I do. Okay. So you wanted to be treated like you... You were treating people like you want, yeah. were used to being treated. And I think of, that's what yeah. a lot of people do until they learn something that works better. But I'm not inherently a very patient person. I'm not very empathetic. Uh, I have a hard time relating. Okay, Laura. <laughs> so <laughs> I did what... Relating to Laura is uh, easier. It's very easy. Because you can understand a fictional character a lot more than you can understand a a real person who has real trauma. You know, I can sit and take notes about Lore's trauma and observe it from an outside perspective and tear it apart. And, and his links. entire life is four episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. It I read them all today. Good refresher. Yeah. But for kids, real people. It's harder. Yeah. Because you don't, you know don't have everything on a piece of paper. Right. There's no wiki no. to tell you. And there's some yeah. things that they're doing that you think you understand based on what you have. And then it can turn out to be completely unrelated. And once all the pieces are in place, it makes sense. But there are not a lot of teens who are aware of their own trauma. So they can't tell you, I do this because it's a defense mechanism against this. <laughs> they don't know that. You have to find that out with them. So you're sort of a detective. They're not even aware of their own origin stories. Are there any moments in your professional 
life or former professional life that really apply to lore? The first kid I had was insanely manipulative. Um, they were just constantly telling the tallest of tales and telling you things that you had to sit down and write incident reports about because if these things really did happen to this child, like, social services needs to know about it. So you submit all this stuff and it creates investigations and all kinds. And they just liked being in that wheel. They didn't have attention at home. Mom was working, I don't know how many jobs, and they had multiple siblings. And it was kind of a, I'm the parent at home and I'm 11 kind of situation. Mom's working on data again. Yeah, constantly. Mm -hmm. So just wanting attention. Because there comes to a point where kids don't care if the attention is positive or negative. It's just like, oh, I'm going to draw on the walls because I have a new sibling. And it doesn't matter that mom or dad are screaming at me because they're going to spend time with me to clean it up. And we're going to talk about it. And that's time where they're not looking at my other sibling. There's really a point with these kids where that line blurs and it's reinforcing the good things and starting to ignore. Because there's no such thing as acting out. We didn't use that word where I worked. Okay. It was not acting out. It's seeking connections. Because again, that's all it is. That's all we want in life is to seek connections and feel secure in our relationships because they are part of the pyramid of needs. Okay. And I think it'd be interested to go over the pyramid of needs about lore. Sure. I don't know what that means, so... It's Maslow's Pyramid of Needs. Oh, Maslow I've heard of. Yeah. So the, the I've, base... I've had just enough friends in psychology <laughs> classes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, took one, I took one college class, so this is... And Maslow was in it. Yeah. So the bottom of the pyramid is uh, physiological needs. We can kind of scratch those off for lore. He doesn't need water. He doesn't need food. He needs shelter to some degree, but... He survived in the in depths space. of space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then above that, we have safety needs, personal security, employment, resources, health. Again, things that are... Mm, Nebulous. Yeah. Personal security is really vague. Since the androids are like super powered. Yeah. They are always kind of safe. Yeah. They don't need money. Uh, no. We never hear about money in TNG. No, there's none. It's kind of an obsolete concept. And then the third tier of the pyramid is love and belonging, which is friendship, intimacy, family, and sense of connection. So most people do have water, food, shelter. And if you don't even have that, then your foundation is shaky and you're never going to get to the other levels. You know, that's why babies cry. And if you don't tend to them, that builds insecurity that starts appearing later in life. And that's a thing that people can't know. I can't know if my parents came to me every time I cried. I'm 24. <laughs> I have no idea. We can't remember that. No, but it shapes us. Were my needs met? all the time. So if that's not there, I don't want to say you're already off to a bad start, but there's cracks in okay. your foundation. Safety needs is just like kind of strange until you're an adult. Because when you're young, what do you care about having employment and property? Children can have a sense that they own something, yeah, that they have true. things. That's true. And it's important. Uh, and a lot of kids want things. Yeah. And they have to learn to either share or that you can't have everything. And they're just like that lesson that you got to learn really early on. Yeah. I think that's part of maybe it. And of course, true. safety. Yeah, everyone you wants to feel, feel safe. safe. Yeah, you want to have a roof, and right. you want to have. I, I think, like for Star Trek people, like Federation people, those two are pretty much a given. Whenever we they, we hear them talk about what they want or need, it's all about personal fulfillment and it's belonging and it's mm -hmm. achievement. Yeah, but they don't care about things because things can just be manufactured at a touch of a button, mm -hmm. anyways. That data. Who has this little box of things. Well, they they're all very have, valuable. No, they, they all have those little things. Yeah, they yeah. have trophies or something. Mm -hmm. But they're sort of, even when Data describes them, they're about achievements. They're about connections that he has with people. Yeah. They're not about the thing. No. Because he could reproduce the thing and he has no, he's supposed to have no emotional attachment, which we kind of proved that wasn't quite true because he does. Yeah. He can't see that. What he feels is intellectual, but to us, it's, it's emotional, dude. It's in your heart. <laughs> yeah. A lot of those needs are met in what what the uh, the super people of Star Trek really want, or like that's the utopia, is that now, post-scarcity, there are no needs. There are only... The top three tiers of the pyramid, yeah. which would be love and belonging. And then we move on to esteem. So self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, and freedom. And the very top is self-actualization. Which is so all Star Trek. Being the best person yeah. that you can be. So those top three things are what most Star Trek characters are after. Are after, yeah. And lore too. I think with those building blocks, you you have a solid person at the end. 
I don't think Lore will ever be the best him he can be, unless he does live forever. But if you live forever, then you can kind of cycle between being good and evil, because you just have a lot of time. Does Brent Spiner want to be on Discovery? It's 32nd century <laughs> now, so he would be like 800 years old. Yeah, and he doesn't look good in the data makeup anymore, with all the cracks. Well, then you could say, I'm 800, year, 800 years yeah, old, so... Yeah, and then it's cool. They could probably do some sort of makeup yeah. to explain it. Maybe. If Laura still exists. Yes. Where are the cracks in the foundation for Laura, then? Well, like I said, I think the physiological needs we can kind of scratch off. I right. don't think he would be programmed to be concerned about those things anyway. But personal security, I don't think Laura feels safe for a minute of his life. So in our little bubble, where we have Worf and Luxana and another counselor... Guinan. Guinan, yeah. Because they're not doing their real jobs anymore. They're on lore time. <laughs> I, I think Guinan's job is counseling, yeah, personally. Yeah. She just pours something out of a fancy pitcher once in a while. Ooh, yeah. She may be better at it than Troy on that ship. Yeah. Where it feels like it. So then we make him feel safe. We're going to clothe you. We're going to do stuff with you. We're going to learn, get to know you. We're going to play Risk. <laughs> We're going to play 3D chess. All things that I think would be very beneficial for lore, because it's strategy in a positive way. Okay, yeah. That is not harmful to anyone. And you can be competitive if you want. People might get tired of that, but you're allowed. Nobody dies at the end. No. And he could still get a sense of, like, look, I wiped your butt at risk. Look right. at this board. It's all me. Well, there's a danger that he gets beat. And then that's a learning opportunity. You that, can't always win. As the story goes. <laughs> I haven't played chess since I beat someone at chess, <laughs> and he piled drive me into the floor. Oh, my God. Or that person. You fought two That times. person has like uh, pyramid cracks. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> you fought twice, and they were both not reasonable reasons at all. Every time I got beat up, it was <laughs> completely unreasonable. There is that danger, and that's why we need to power down these androids. I don't know if we consider uh, being Starfleet a job. Yeah. It is. It's a military, yeah. it's sort of a sla military slash diplomatic function. I think Laura needs a job. Something simple to start with until he finds out what he actually likes before he just becomes a war general blindly. He would be good at it, but it's not the kind of thing we want to reinforce. So I think, you know, simple things, maybe helping, uh, maybe helping Crusher. Help. Oh, really? You'd put him in a... Not right off the bat. Well, the androids are good at science. And he can build worth off of helping. And there's a thrill to being in the medical kind of field, you know, for some people, especially on television. The doctor houses of the world, you want to crack it, and you want to fix everything. And I don't think House ever performs surgery. I don't think I've ever seen him wear scrubs, <laughs> but his job seems very thrilling. So Lore can be, and I'm, I'm going to use a very mechanical word, he can be salvaged. I think so. I think that wasn't that wasn't even a question to me. Uh, no, okay, so to you, that was obvious from the beginning yeah. that he was being mistreated. Yeah, he's not a lost cause. I don't think there are many lost causes even on Earth today. Well, Star it's you know, the more we talk about it, and the more I think about Star Trek, how much that storyline goes against everything Star Trek is about. Because even the Borg can be rescued. Mm -hmm. Seven of Nine being like yeah. a, the prime example. All our enemies are going to be our friends for, eventually. Yeah. That's what Star Trek says. Basically. So the idea that... That's the, what they're striving for. So they're really saying that what Lore, like Lore's brain was deficient. They're, they're, that's what the, the show is saying is that he was unfixable. Which is not true. That was a programming issue yeah. that could not be resolved to I them. I don't think that's true. So I think they, Laura's they too smart for that. It, it would take time. Maybe they just couldn't be bothered. Well, well, I, it wouldn't make a very riveting show. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe not. But, but I, it feels like they felt like, when you watch the show... It's good. As a science fiction tale. It's fine. You're going, okay, this dude was super dangerous... They had to jettison out the airlock. He's still alive. But if that's how they dealt with every enemy, that'd be one thing. Yeah. But they don't. It's yeah. well established that they don't. Because it's kind of a Doctor Who thing. In Doctor Who, the universe is very much more dangerous. Everybody's a monster. Like, all the aliens are monsters. There are very few cultures, per se. It's like, they're monsters to be fought. They're all invaders. That's very much more the Doctor Who thing. Even though doc the Doctor is very empathetic and mm -hmm. he kills a lot of monsters. And uh, like Lore would have been just blown up. Beep. Like a Dalek or Dalek. something. And exterminated. But at the same time, and I, I this is something I, I wish you'd watch if one day. Because I'd love your take on it. In the final season of, the, of Peter Capaldi, the Master, who is basically Lore... To the doctor, the doctor. He's not re not a real brother, but a it's brother. Like mega doctor. He's another time lord. He's the only other time lord. Okay, and he's, and he's evil. Yeah, he's malevolent. Uh, and they went to school together, and they were stabilizing emotions. They were really good friends, and now they're enemies. That's true. There's like a doctor school. 
There's an academy. Yeah. There's a Time Lord Academy. Yeah. The doctor really did very poorly. At school. Uh, at school. He, okay. was, he was terrible. And I think maybe the master was as well. But the master has different incarnations the same way. And each incarnation seems more nuts than the next. The ultimate incarnation was female. was uh, Missy. Mistress or Miss, you call her Missy. And Missy was just as, you know, nuts as the other masters and psychotic and wanted to kill everyone and, and humiliate the doctor and My kind of woman. A very good character. But in the final season, um, we find out that the doctor has like taken responsibility for her. Okay. Because they're the only two time lords left mm-hmm. at that point. And, uh, he has incarcerated her in a vault and he's visiting her very often and he's, it's therapy. It's like hundreds of years of therapy. Like Sherlock's sister in the BBC. And she's in the evil. last season. Yeah, she's too mu- too smart. Too smart. Well, Missy's like that, and uh, we got the same writers as well mm. on the two series. So Missy kind of learns learns to simulate empathy, and it's not natural to her, but she does good things eventually. And then it's like, will the evil reassert itself? But there's, I think, there's a connection there. Lord Data, the Doctor, and the Master. There are a lot of similarities. And the show actually does the course of treatment. Address it, yeah. Yeah. Because lore, um, I think it's about making it so it's more rewarding as a person to be good than to be evil. So you can simulate empathy long enough that it'll become an integrated part of you. Just like you can pretend to have super good self-esteem. That's what I did. I, for a long time, didn't have very good self-esteem. But I would do things like declare to my college classmates that I was the shit. (laughs) I was like in the middle of class, like, yo, look at me. Can you handle this? And eventually I grew into who I am today. And that's genuinely how I am now. And I believe it. Your brain, your brain's not that smart. No, I, I, you can convince yourself of things. Yeah. And you can convince yourself of the wrong things. Yeah. I say y'all. That doesn't exist here. No, you're not supposed to say y'all. I created that. Yeah. I can say y'all because I live in Texas. (laughs) But I I can barely say y'all. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, Missy, if she if she would have, you know, I know that those characters aren't uh, on TV anymore, but in a universe where she does keep doing that, I think there's absolutely hope, just like Lore. But with Lore, we're really, really bare bones. We need to start with him being able to even handle his emotions and understand them and regulate. Lore is so young. Maybe Lore needs to learn to do yoga. I don't know what they do in 20... 20- something yeah they do yoga troy and uh, crusher and they've got like that's a sort true. of tai they chi do. class yeah, they do that with, that's true with war for yeah fencing with the captain that counts those are all uh, mindfulness exercises it's just i think their brains are doing so many things at the same time that it's hard to focus yeah and one wonders if an android can truly meditate or if they're just gonna put like oh su- data figured out how to fall asleep yeah, that's true they can program their own brains to do things yeah they can have subroutines running. Yeah, just like subconscious. Not, but yeah, they're way, not even more aware of. Yeah. yeah. I'm convinced. Were you not? No, I, I started as neutral. <laughs> okay. Started as neutral to be a good host here. Yeah, yeah. The insight here, the, the thing that I had not considered before this conversation was that, yeah, the Enterprise. It's not very Trek-like. They screwed over Lore. Like, Lore got a bad deal. Yeah. And there's a lot. It could of, have been one trauma. Deactivation, and then we work from there. But it had to be deactivation, and then found and rejected, and thrown into space, and then rejected again. We, we understand that, you know, once he was on board the Enterprise, he tried to kill everyone. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> we understand that. But also... He didn't! <laughs> he, he failed. It's not the same as he didn't. But but, uh, but at the same time, it's like that, that came from a background that they did not know about. Like, at the time, they're not aware... Like, this is happening, or that happened to him, and how that affected him. And maybe Lore, like, calling over the entity on the Enterprise was like a safety net. Because it's the only way, again, he knows how to feel safe. It's his only friend. Well, I had a kid who who would bring knives to school. And that was obviously not very well seen. And the school didn't like that. Was he going to use it? No. It was a safety thing. He had just been taken out of his home. He was in foster care for the first... Actually, he was taken out of his home, put into foster care, taken out of foster care, but his siblings got to remain in foster care. He got dumped into a halfway house with us, strangers, in this clinical house that you have to live in, and he didn't know how else to feel like he had a grip on anything. And I can see that and understand it. I don't think it's right. I don't think anyone should carry knives anywhere. But when you kind of, again, pull it apart, it's like, oh, right. he was just trying this. And no one... How did, else do we no let one him did, have this feeling? No one did that to Lore. No. With Lore. I mean, 
the, oh, okay. You know, no one had the complete information, and once they did, it just didn't seem to matter anymore. No. He was a villain, and that was... Yeah, so it's like, if we take a step back and we say, oh man, there's this pattern with lore, maybe we can stop it and give him other chances to feel control and to feel valued and to feel safe. Maybe by Picard's time with the android planet, yeah. there will be such a field as, you know, android psychology. Maybe. And he could, maybe if he still exists... Physically. Reactivate the boy. And bring him in the house. Fix him. You know, bring him to that planet. Yeah. Where, you know, he can belong to a community. Maybe they can tune it down. I see you've put away your notes. So My computer died. <laughs> oh. Is there anything that uh, we haven't mentioned that we should? No, I think I threw all my, my curveballs at you with the Luxana and Risk. And <laughs> those are the things I was most excited about. Okay. What's uh, he well... going to do when I say I want the other Troy? <laughs> Well, thanks for being here, having this discussion, pitching yes. it in the first place. Uh, I know you have other patients to take care of, yep. notably a cat and a bird. Yep. But I'll stick around myself for subspace transmissions. That's Star Trek news and your feedback on our previous episode. I'm Diablo Frank, and I've been a fan of the Amazing Amazon for my entire life. To be truthful, I'm not a typical fan of the Paradise Island set. I'm not big on mythology, and I'm highly critical of the most popular Themyscirin stories. I like it when Wonder Woman loses her powers and hangs out with a tiny blind Asian martial arts master named Ai Ching, or when she works at Taco Bell and helps collect child support for a co-worker from a deadbeat mafioso dad, or when she rides around on kangaroo ponies from outer space and is a little too into bondage and spanking for the squares. Wonder Woman is great, but I really miss Diana Prince. The reminder that the heroine feels and fails and bleeds like the rest of us. That's why I call my podcast about her Diana Prince Wonder Woman, because I like to remember there's a woman behind all that wonder, and I'd like to talk about her if you care to listen on iTunes, Shout Engine, and Internet Archive. Incoming Subspace Transmissions. Picard Season 2 has a confirmed date for start of production, and the Voyager documentary has resumed production. However, the Noah Hawley-directed Trek film has gone from on hold to pretty much definitely cancelled. The film would apparently have involved a new cast and less of a focus on action than the Kelvin Timeline ones, but Paramount has decided, quote, to go in another direction. Does this mean that the Tarantino Project and or the Force Kelvin Timeline film is a go? None of the principals have reportedly heard anything, and the studio's slate of big releases, including more Transformers, G.I. Joe, and Mission Impossible films over the next two years, probably wouldn't allow it before 2023 anyway. Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2 is also in production. If you're in a country where the first season wasn't readily available, it was recently announced that it would drop on Amazon Prime in the UK, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, India, and more on January 22nd, 2021. A number of coffee table books are coming out that might interest our listeners. Star Trek The Artistry of Dan Curry has production art from 1987 onward, assembled from the files of visual effects artist Dan Curry, and even includes new pieces done for the book to give more insight into the production of a show like Star Trek. The 204-page hardcover is already out by Titan Books. And if contemporary Trek's your thing, then there's The Art of Star Trek Discovery, also already available from Titan Books, which not only includes a lot of production art, but interviews with the artists as well. Hero Collector has come out with a lush coffee table book called Star Trek Voyager A Celebration, with lots of pictures, fresh interviews with cast and crew just in time for the show's 25th anniversary. And on a different shelf, perhaps, we have Hero Collector's Star Trek Cocktails, a stellar compendium, which holds, no surprise, various recipes for Trek-themed drinks and humor caricatures of Trek characters and quotes that relate to them. The 154-page hardback is also available on Kindle. Want some ship models? Hero Collector and Eagle Moss have you covered. They've launched a subscription program that will send you pieces of the Enterprise D so you can build it step by step. The two-foot-long model will not require glue or paint. Each pre-painted part can click or screw into place easily. It lights up, and the saucer even separates. Hobbyists who can afford the price point will get four kits a month for 30 months at $12.90 US per kit plus shipping. If we do a little math here, that's over $1,500 just for the kits amortized over two and a half years. In more standard model fare, Eagle Moss is also committed to producing the Enterprise J from the Enterprise episode Azanti Prime, and 32nd Century Ships 
seen in Discovery. The funky-looking Enterprise-J has already been released in both large and small sizes. While we're talking about merch, I might as well also mention Shield Pal's official Star Trek face shields. They come in two styles, one Starfleet Medical and the other a Discovery patch. Both have the Red Alert logo on them. They are exclusively sold on shop.startrek.com. And now a selection of your comments on our previous episode, which was all about the Star Trek CCG, the collectible card game. Now, we got a lot of comments across different uh, social media platforms, mostly people that remember the game, had cards, played the cards, or played other CCGs and always wondered about the cards. So thanks, everyone. I'm going to stick to the FindWaterPodcast.com website for this selection of comments. Uh, let's start with Mike Garvey, who, uh, even before listening, sent in a note. He said he was a huge Star Trek CCG fan back in the day, especially second edition, to the point of being local tournament organizer and traveling interstate for national championships. Good times. Santarin references the bubblegum a mention that I made early in the show and then really didn't follow up exactly on it. Uh, well, I did talk about the Roger Maris baseball card at some point from the Fajo collection. Uh, I neglected to mention at that point that it did come with a stick of gum. I know some people tried it. I'm not a gum person, so I would not destroy the mint quality of my card package by chewing what is now, you know, like a 30-year-old 30, 30 piece of gum. Brian Linton says, great episode. In general, I deliberately avoid CCGs because I know how easily I could spend all my money on booster packs. Yes. Mm-hmm. That being said, I did get into Iron Crown's Middle Earth CCG back in the mid-90s because I was a hardcore Tolkien fan and it had rules for solo play and I had no one else to play with. Nowadays, I'll play an occasional game of Pokemon TCG with my daughter. I get it, Brian. The fact that there wasn't a solo option, I don't know how much Solitaire I would have played with it, but maybe a little more. And I know that when I did CCGs, my own Doctor Who or improv CCGs, I did eventually create a solo play option for them because I I knew that was a situation for a lot of people. And because they were fake games, you know, it was quite possible not to find another player. David is Gutierrez uh, says, thanks for this. I had a bunch of cards and never got to play anyone except my then girlfriend. And you guys are lucky. Mike Dana says, I'm that fan that loves, loves, loves the Star Wars CCG, though I don't get an opportunity to play it that often, but never had a chance to play the Star Trek one. I enjoy the way Decipher infused the games with so many story elements, which was the main selling point over Magic for me. I really liked hearing your joy and experiences in the Star Trek game, and it makes me want to try it out. And he goes on about, you know, the Star Wars CCG storytelling aspect. And I have to agree, uh, that was... We mentioned it for, for the Star Trek game, but it was also true of the Lord of the Rings game, which also played with the same themes and concepts and had a story where you were delivering the ring to that volcano, you know? So that was Decipher's brand, and I think they, they milked it for a long time. And finally, Boston Moss says, Hey guys, that was fun. I still have a bunch of STCCG cards somewhere, but I dropped out getting them years ago. While the game was interesting, collecting was expensive, and finding people to play was challenging. Then if you found people, getting schedules to align was even worse. I mean, that's kind of true of all gaming, isn't it? So that's it for the feedback section. The Fire and Water Podcast Network has a Patreon page at patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. If you like this content and want more like it, think about leaving a one-time or monthly donation. It even unlocks rewards. For example, for $5 a month, you could get yourself on the Starfleet commendations list like Commodore Doug Van Diver. Join Doug and I in the fleet at patreon.com. As usual, let me remind you that you too can leave comments at fireandwaterpodcast.com on the Fire and Water Facebook page on Twitter, where we are FW Podcast, and you can also follow the show on Spotify. So until next episode... This is Siskoid reminding you to go boldly. I love you, brother.